Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Is Your podcast with your host Sam Foote and Anne Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. It's episode 25 of season four. Sam and I had a recent discussion around Microsoft Copilot solutions, a new set of tools that use generative AI to help productivity within Microsoft 365 and other areas. Here are a few things we covered. What is generative AI? What are the various versions of Microsoft Copilot? How can Copilot help users uh, be more productive? And how are how are they licensed? We've noticed that a large number of you aren't subscribed. If you do enjoy our podcast, please do consider subscribing. It would mean a lot for us, for lot to us, for you to show your support to the show. It's a really great episode. So let's dive in. Hey, Alan, how are you doing? Hey, Sam, not doing too bad. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, really good. Um, any any new uh, announcements or news um, that, that's been interesting over the past week? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. Um, been diving into back to work after Ignite, so it's just been heavy doing that, really. Um, I don't think there's been anything key that I can think of right now. Um, anything in sort of your areas? Uh, I think we're starting to see a lot more around Security Copilot now. Um, I think we see more and more on a weekly basis, which is um, which is encouraging to see. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see the sort of um, impact that that has um, on sort of security operations. Um, I'm really hoping that it um, sort of aligns with, you know, uh, the material that's out there. Um, you know, it, it, it's always it's always great to have sort of assistance, um, assistive um, technology to boost productivity. Um, you know, and you, you're going to talk about that uh, uh, this week as well. Um, you know, I, I've sort of had firsthand experience of um, GitHub Copilot, you know, from a developer perspective. Um, you know, so, you know, it's, um, it's really interesting to see, um, and, and what I've really seen with, you know, a lot of co-pilot related, uh, technology is, you know, they're, they're really pushing that it's a, you know, assistive technology, more, a sort of junior level, I would say, you know, um, but, you know, let's hope that, it can have the, the the impact that Microsoft wants on the security uh, operations uh, aspect. Yeah, it's definitely a key area that I want to sort of follow. You know, being in the security space, um, and yeah, I expect we'll probably need to do an episode just on that once that sort of information comes out because a lot of you know a lot of information was brought out at Ignite, um, but hands-on access is still very limited. So. Um, and under still under private preview kind of um, controls, so it'll be good once you know there is some more um, hands-on experience, sort of reviews and things like that coming out would be good. Yeah, definitely. So, talking of generative AI and co-pilots, Alan, uh, congratulations! This is our first co-pilot-aligned. Um, uh, chat that we're going to have. Um, this has been a long time 
uh, coming, right? We've um, <laughs> it was originally listed down under me. Um, I kicked it down the road, and and now and now you're covering it. <laughs> you finally uh, had enough, and yeah, it's, it's on the it's on the list now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we I don't know if we were going to do the these the ones I'm going to talk about today, but I think it was Security Copilot that was being kicked down the road, wasn't it? Because we didn't again we didn't have much information about it. We had a kind of small glimpse of what it could do. Um, Ignite brought out more of that, like you said, um, and then now the early access is starting to kick in more. Um, there'll be more sort of details coming out, I guess. So, so yeah. So this is a probably first view of it. You know, I've not I've not been, had the chance to use some of it, um, but being at Ignite, I've managed to consume a lot of information about it. So hopefully, I can help. Um, uh, put it into you know how it can help you know organizations be productive things like that so that's that's the aim of the aim of this the, this episode so we'll see how we get on <laughs> well i i know that a lot of people have a lot of questions right and i also <laughs> good news for you alan i also have a lot of questions right but we oh. can um no no <laughs> we can we can discuss three things because you know I, i've got my own sort of I think everybody's got their own viewpoint on it, but I think at the moment, you know, especially for me, I, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can, right, to sort of form my own judgments and opinions on, you know, the efficacies of these, you know, types of technologies, right? So, um, should we should we just, you know, start from the beginning? Um, so, Alan, um, what is generative AI? So. We've we've obviously heard AI has been around for quite some time, and you know, um, you know, we've been able to do uh, a lot of you know a lot of things with AI in you know in the sense of being able to query data and give us results from it. Um, you know, be able to pick out keywords, things like that, as well as you know, I think we, when you did your episode on lang, you know, the language ones, being able to you know translate automatically for you and and pick out um, content on images, things like that. So generative AI is kind of um, sort of enhancement to that in that um, it uses uh, large um, language models um, to be able to construct um, answers that are, you know, within, you know, within um, that it creates itself. So it's not just um, in effect, rinse and repeat of, you know, say you had a Q and A bot as an example, um, it wouldn't just re repeat the answer to you. Um, it would be able to understand the sort of context of your question and respond differently every time kind of thing based on, you know, what you're, what you're asking. Um, so, uh, this kind of came out from, um, or at least in a big way in the world, um, came from like ChatGPT being you know announced um, last year, being able to ask it questions and it generates you know you a data you know ask it to create you a a paragraph on generative AI or you know um, about a subject and things like that. So um, it's been really powerful to be able to be able to build some some content for you to then reuse um and in effect generative AI, ai is based on um you know data or the large language models are based on um, data that um it consumes so with like chat gpt i think it was from 
um, in effect, the internet, we kind of say, maturity of the internet, I guess, um, from 2019, I think it was originally. Um, correct me, Sam, if I get these these wrong, but I think that's what it was, and maybe it's been updated now. Um, the newer versions of ChatGPT have now been upgraded to a, to a newer data model. Um, but in effect, it would have all that data. So you could ask it a question, um, say like, you know, how do I do something within Inching? Um, and it would be able to get that data and then, you know, in effect, re- return it to you um, with the questions. Um, as well as um, potentially say, you know, how do I create a PowerShell script example to do, to get all users in Active Directory, say? Um, it will to be able to generate that. And I think that kind of comes back to what you were saying, Sam, around um, Copilot in um, GitHub. Um, where it's able to help you generate your code, so assist you in generating that code kind of thing. This can also help, you know, do KQL queries and Sentinel um, and things like that based on the data that's ingested. Um, so that's kind of where it's come from, and I think, and, you know, I don't know if you want to update anything, Sam, on that, if I've kind of butchered that. Um, but in effect, um, Microsoft have made a big investment into uh, OpenAI, which um, operate ChatGPT. Um, and now um, some of their co-pilot solutions um, are kind of based on that that, that initial language model from them. Um, that's kind of where you know we're going to dive into today about what you know what, what the Microsoft sort of products do on top of um, you know that large language model. Yeah, I, I think my only sort of uh, thing that I've been hearing a lot about recently is the generative. Uh, sort of keyword in generative AI, right? Um, is that, and I think you sort of alluded to it as well. Is it's 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 using a data set that it's trained on, um, and a lot of these language models are trained on public data sets. And I know there's a big concern around that side of things, so we'll talk about that after this part. Um, but the generative aspect of it. A lot, a lot is being called into question about its accuracy, um, whilst uh, you know effectively generating. Um, and what's what was really interesting is is, um, and I know it's it's diverging a little bit, uh, but a, a recent podcast episode I listened to, um, Elon Musk talking about Grok, um, uh, X, sorry, Twitter, oh, sorry, X is um, <laughs> uh, 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 generative. Uh, large language. I think I think it's a, la- a large language model that is trained on uh, Twitter data, um, and it's interesting uh, Elon's take on how convincing it sometimes generate uh, uh, generates lies to you. Right? It's it's filling in the blanks in terms of its its um, its data. It is also um, it's also trained on potentially pu- incorrect data. Right, and um, a lot of that conversation w- was around the qu- the quality and the accuracy of the data that it's trained on, and I, I don't think we can, you know, as mere like normal mortals, can really talk about how they train uh, these data sets and how they make it as accurate as they possibly can. Um, but I think, to me and my experience of them, is there is always edge cases that. I'm going to say like an advanced user needs to fill in. You know, if you're a programmer using GitHub Copilot, 
sorry for anybody that works on the GitHub Copilot product, um, but there's always edge cases that you have to fill in blanks, you know, but it's really a productivity time saver because if you get 90% of the output that you need, as long as you can identify the 10%, then you've saved 90% of the time, right? You know, and that's the, that's the major um, uh, bonus to it. So, um, but, but also the generative nature of it can be really powerful because if you do want it to, you know, uh, write you a blog post or uh, write you some copy, you know, um, you can ask it and get it to regenerate um, its, 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 its output and you will get different variations, you know. Um, you can give it context. You can you can ask it to say you know uh, write paragraphs of text in different styles of writing. You know, uh, do you want to be more uh, passive? Do you want to be more forward? Do you want to be? Do you want to align it to you know uh, different ways of different parts of the world speak and communicate? Right. You know, there's lots of context that you can give these models, and they can understand. And infer from your context what to, to what to give back to you, um, and I have I have seen some you know criticism very recently. Um, uh, I don't know whether it's just just um, I'm just noticing it now because I'm thinking about like the accuracy of these models, um, about how generative they actually are. You know when they're being used to back up facts and things like that, right? So. Um, so that's one thing. And then there's the other part that I just wanted to add on to that is, is that there has also been a lot of sort of pushback, um, in some communities around what these models are trained on the data that they're trained on, you know, so, um, if GitHub Copilot is trained on stack overflow data, as an example, you know, um, is that a real use of, you know, who owns that data? It's in theory publicly accessible on the internet. It's all really murky. Um, and, and GitHub were were criticised for training, um, were criticised for training Copilot data on GitHub code in GitHub. And um, and and what the concern was is that private repositories in GitHub were being scanned to train these large language models and then that code effectively redistributed to other users right um i i don't think they scan private repositories i'm not 100 sure but the and i don't think they do um but um even big public open source code bases could have been regurgitated um and there was a big sort of uh, discussion argument uh, i think lawsuits around uh, gpl code um, whether that could actually be sort of regurgitated. Um, so, so one of the one of the really interesting examples that I've seen is if you if you in GitHub Copilot um, early on when I was in the the beta, I haven't used it for for a while. But in the beta, you could just um, start a comment in your code, and it would load comments from other projects, and you'd see what it was trained on. Right? Because some some um, projects they have like. Um, commenting styles in their code where they would put you know who it is when they did it um, what software and version number it's for like a bug reference number you know an issue number or something like that um, and you would start to pull through other people's comments and things like that so um, I don't I I can't you know sort of 
um, I can't say to any certainty how it how improved that process is now, but yeah, it just does open up a few um, questions about you know the quality of the data set and should it be trained on these public uh, data models. But I'll leave that to the the lawyers and solicitors to to to, to battle it out. Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, like you said, it might not have been the private ones, but if there's licenses against public facing ones, then and then it's just being distributed for well, for free without having to reference back to the to the creator kind of thing, then, you know, you know, that's potentially them, get, you know, that that organization also get in trouble because they haven't referenced them as well without knowing. That they haven't, you know, referenced this, you know, this repo or this um, creator of this code, as well. I guess that's a very valid point. They could be potentially uh, breaking the licensing agreements without knowing. Yeah, and I would say, you know, I mean, a, a lot of people criticize large organizations, right? But there is there is definitely a, I can see a definite public push from Microsoft around. Um, AI data training standards, you know, um, and, and the way that they want to safeguard the use of any sort of, you know, um, AI model. Um, so, so I, I do think, I think organizations at the end of the day need to make their shareholders happy, but I do think that there is a general uh, push, especially in the larger organizations to make sure that's done safely and fairly. Um, I could just be a, a shill but you know that's 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 what i see on a daily basis and i guess as well um kind of talking about the the data training um i guess one of the concerns especially in the last six months has been with chat gpt that you know stand because it's free well there's a free tier of it i should say that you can just use and when you sign in um and you can just ask it a question or throw data in to say, can you regenerate this? Um, that is then going in as far as I'm aware or used to at least, um, then go back into the learning model. And then, like you said, being then used for the future. So there has been some concern that employees are using chat GPT to throw, you know, maybe some internal, maybe some internal data, maybe some not so public information into it to it, to generate, you know, a, a you know, a report for them um, and then it's being trained into the model. And then technically if someone could work out, you know, ask the same question, then that could come out. Um, so there is definitely a key thing around that. And I, th I kind of go into some of that with the Microsoft co-pilots, I think um, about some of the, the protection that they're putting in um, around their sort of their, their, their solution. Okay, yeah. So let's should we dive into what Microsoft's up to? So yeah, um, what sort of products and versions of Copilot um have been released so far? Uh, so we talked about one before. So Microsoft Security Copilot. Um, so that's all around the security products, things like that. Um, I'm not going to dive in too much around that one because I'm going to kind of hit the other ones today because we have more information around them. Um, so then we have. Microsoft Copilot and Microsoft Copilot for 365. Yes, I think that's right. Um, so Microsoft Co Microsoft Copilot is in effect a uh, you can go to copilot.microsoft.com and in effect you can ask it 
questions and it's it's data is is uh, well depending on yeah that one is um then um grounded from the internet data so it's in effect a, a large language model based on chat gpt on top of it um and it's built into in effect it used to be called bing chat when that was announced with the um like the new version of windows the you know the latest version of windows um feature release around bing chat so that's just been in effect rebranded to microsoft copilot so you can ask it questions it will generate you a response for it so from my perspective that's very similar to um yeah in effect chat gpt um so probably whilst we're we're here so uh, if you've got a um a microsoft account um then you can yeah you can sign in and go into it and it will you know you can generate your your information so but for an organization um this is being included um there's an enterprise version i'll double check the name of it but um with that version um it's included in the microsoft 365 e3 e5 SKUs. um i think this was going to be paid for but from the look of the documentation I looked at, um, it looks like it's now being included in those licenses. So what that means is that when you sign into it, um, Microsoft then put on um, commercial protection. And what that means is that anything that is um, generated in there um, is not then pushed into the, the language model. So you you know you can ask it in effect private you know response it you know, questions or not necessarily private questions but you know questions that are then not going to be you know put into the model. So you can either you know feed it data and say can you reword this to you know to be used in a PowerPoint or uh, you know summarize this data kind of thing. Um, you provide the data um, and then it will you know create that response for you or you can ask it a question. And try and get it to generate you some information out of it. So I think that's really good in that it's creating that commercial protection layer to stop it going into the, the training model. Um, and so yeah, that's that's kind of Microsoft Copilot. So you can any anyone can go to it, um, but the the enterprise sort of version of it is part of you know is additional enhancement license on the Microsoft three six five. Uh, um, uh, E3 and E5 um, SKUs. So then you've got um, Microsoft Cove Pilot for 365. So this is similar, but at the next level. So what this does, this does corporate uh, protection. Um, so kind of similar to commercial one, it doesn't go into train model, but it also, um, the data is grounded uh, it, with your uh, data that is accessible to a user via graph. So this is anything that's in with, within Microsoft 365. This is emails, um, SharePoint drives, Teams, um, OneDrive, um, etc. Um, and in effect, it uses Microsoft Graph to go and collect, you know, to to read that data and, and build a model for your for your tenant. 
and that you know that model is only for you know that the additional sort of um enhancement to the model is only in your tenant at that point so it understands you as an individual and you as an organization so when you ask it questions around some of the data that's in there um it's then relevant to you um so that's very good so again you get i think you can go to the copilot to microsoft.com when you've got that skew and then you can you know in effect ask that questions um I think you've got to go in and enable it or allow it to have access to you know, your um, your graph API and things like that. Um, but the other key part to that is that uh, the product or Copilot is then in, in various products within 365. So it's in um, Microsoft Word, Excel, um, PowerPoint, um, Power Platform, um, and, and all the various other sort of areas. So you can now, um, you know, now you're in a Word document and you can then say, you know, not say, but type. Well, you could say, you could say probably, I suppose it's got the uh, voice to, to text. Um, you know, uh, can you summarize this this data in this part, you know, in this Word document and create me a summary for the, you know, the top? Or can you, you know, in Excel, can you generate me a pivot table based on this data? You know, and that's that's quite powerful because you know you can use it there and then in that in those products. You know, with Power Platform, you can ask it how do you how do you create this uh, um, function within it? You know, to get you the data to him, you know, in, input the data or you know, create a function within the Power Plat, you know, the Power App. Um, so yeah, it's really really powerful there. So. That's the kind of two that have been sort of announced. I mean, there's been loads of like Copilot for Office 365 or not Office 365 for, for for Word, for Excel, things like that. But they're all kind of under that Microsoft 365 or Copilot for Microsoft 365 um, sort of banner. Okay, so, so, so what we're seeing is we're seeing the application of these models in a sort of is is it right it's in a protected way within your organization and on those productivity apps as well so it's not just like a you know a prompt on a web app we're actually seeing it like woven into day-to-day workflows in like you know the office suite as an example yeah yeah absolutely and and one one of the ones actually i think is quite interesting is that you can get copilot to um, participate in one of your meetings so and it can be in what? effect <laughs> yeah <laughs> help you out you know it might be better better sort of <laughs> um, is it going to be like a mediator or something like that right yeah. you know, when, it, when it kicks off <laughs> yeah um but yeah so what you can do is it can start writing your um your your meeting notes your actions things like that we've kind of seen some meeting of that minutes all oh, right yeah Wow. And you can say if it did, if it missed one, you can say don't forget this one that you know James said, which then it will go you know it remembers what was sort of spoken about and then you know regenerate it in effect. So I think that's quite powerful in itself, being able to you know build those those notes uh, just in yeah, a meeting. But, yeah, because you know you know what happens when you're in a meeting. Everybody goes, oh yeah, we should do that. And unless it's like a proper <laughs> meeting with like you know project management involved, right? Like everybody just forgets to do stuff, don't they? You know, and then 
you you end up missing stuff so you know the fact that it can silently work mm. in the background to to do that you know is is really powerful isn't it yeah absolutely and as i said you know that data isn't all that you know that meeting and things like that um shouldn't be leaving your tenant it's not you know it's not being trained into the model and things like that so um so yeah i think it, it even you know acknowledges uh, that there's co-pilot you know involved in the meeting so people are aware um yeah a lot of this was um demonstrated in the key one of the keynotes at ignite it's definitely worth we'll, we'll put a, a link in to our show notes to that to that video because they show a lot a lot of information there um a couple of enhancements actually just thinking about it on the co-pilots is that they do a co-pilot for sales Microsoft Copilot for sales, and that okay. can sit on Dynamics or I think it's also Salesforce, and it can help assist with your communication and and oh, I writing you were up say and closing like deals. Then Alan, well, <laughs> I suppose technically it is because it's helping you get get you know, to yeah, do yeah. The, the the admin. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's that, and there's also a Microsoft Copilot for services, so allowing you to do like inst- uh, you know ticketing and responding kind of thing so it can help you with the emails being returned and, and things like that and okay. i think that works with dynamics again um but also um service now which is quite interesting yeah definitely so um so yeah there's a couple of other ones um but yeah so i think tldr is microsoft is applying these models effectively everywhere right um to to satisfy as as much of the shall i call it admin work at this point is that what we're is that the level that we're sort of putting it at you know it does seem assistive more than it is you know anything else right yeah i think it's i think the idea is it's not too you know copilot's not going to replace anybody um it's meant to be to help um users more productive you know to help them generate you know generate the 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 documents quicker you know still in their context kind of thing um finding out the information quicker or you know it, it is all that sort of um well like the minute taking having to remember to take all those minutes from a meeting you know oh, yeah, just yeah generate. yeah and 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 let's let's be honest about it like you know, if a bunch of technical, you know, let's say a technical team is, you know, um, communicating in a meeting, right? Um, and you know, it, it it those meeting minutes might not actually seem like that important, but I can count, you know, multiple tens, if not hundreds of times, I've been really thankful to have a write up in an email of the meeting <laughs> minutes that I can refer back to especially five minutes before the next call, right? You know, it's always helpful, yeah. right? So, you know, being able to have that without having somebody, you know, because you might get your project managers to do that currently today. Um, but, you know, they're, you know, that's just a sort of a small part of their job role, right? And a, a definitely an admin burden more than it is a, you know, uh, a fully skilled, you know, project management activity if that makes sense right so helping to automate that even if it doesn't get it 100 percent, is going to save a lot of time 
isn't it? Yeah, and you know, it's not always that um, uh, employees are you know a a uh, a ninja at Excel. You know, yeah. being able to do those crazy um, formulas sometimes, or creating the pivot tables and things like that. You know, there might be something they've, they have to do day to day, but they want to represent the data. I mean, yes, you could say they could go to Power BI to to help with that, but um, but that's like frying yeah. pan into the fryer at that point. <laughs> right? It's just like, a... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, but yeah, they might not be able to do you know, or they might get stuck with how they want to present the data. You know, maybe they know pivot tables, but she's not quite showing the data how they want it. Maybe yeah. they've got to yeah. um, transform it somehow beforehand into a, a different way. You know, Copilot can help with that sort of thing um there and then without them having to google for hours and try and understand it kind of thing so i think there's definitely some key areas i think a lot of some of the some of the key sort of things that came out of ignite um some of the statistics i think there's something like um i'm gonna probably get these wrong but it's something like 44 percent of people were more were, were, sorry when they're doing the the piloting of it i think um, people were 44 percent more productive which is quite a high number. And I think they even said, he said, uh, when they offered um, somebody free lunch or to have co-pilot, um, they chose co-pilot, which I kind Wait, of what? feel you like You're going to have to explain that to me. What? So they're saying have... that if you could have free lunches yeah. at work for, you know, if you're in the office, you get free lunch or you can have right. Microsoft co-pilot. People chose Copilot supposedly, which because of the help that it gave them. Yeah, so that it's could... more valuable than buying lunch <laughs> or getting free lunch. What? So that they could have a three-hour lunch every day, basically. Yeah, automated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They can do their work. Do, in, do, do you, you know, know what all this automation and productivity reminds me of? Right, is I, I I read these stories, and I don't know if they're fictitious about people that have multiple remote jobs. Right, right. <laughs> or or they have a job where they're forgotten about right you know you see these 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 posts on like um you know different it jobs where there's like a it person that's just been you know completely ignored and they've not done any work for years right and they're forgotten about by the system they just get like a paycheck and or <laughs> you know people are running multiple remote roles and stuff like that all i think is is i'm just like you know uh, are businesses going to backfill that um that efficiency gain i assume assume they they must do right um you know because it's kind of do more with something slightly different <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense i don't know what the the word is because you're sort of re replacing human i'm going to call it administrative at this point administrative um, action or guidance um with 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 a with a model right so um um so yeah it's just it's it's interesting to think about you know, um, will this mean that people need to work less or will they just not have to do as much admin? I think it's going to be the latter. It's mine. Yeah, and I, I guess it might. You could say it's going to help uh, potentially relieve some of that pressure and maybe stress of some roles as well, um, which then also makes people more productive as well because they've got, you know, they've in effect got a, somehow against them so we'll have to see i i guess but yeah i'll 
we'll definitely put a link into the the keynote around it because um it's about 56 minutes i think but um they talk wow, about okay. all the various things yeah okay um yeah so can you can you create your own copilot yes so this this was quite interesting actually <laughs> yeah, um because they were they were talking about it and like, yeah this is all cool you know all this stuff is really great and kind of i think the stuff we've talked about is great oh it sounds um, great sign me up 100 percent well, and they were like, the price yet. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but then they kind of talked about it and they said, well, I've spoke, I've, I said, I, you know, I've got a question about um, like HR, like, you know, how many days holiday do I get? And they're asking those questions in, in teams, you know, to co-pilot because it's got access to some of your data, you know, that you have access to. Um, it kind of comes back with like some form of data but it's not quite right so what you can do is there's a a co-pilot designer studio co-pilot studio um and in there what you can do is you can create a an effective co-pilot model um it's not building the the large language model itself but it's more around it's probably very similar to building like the chat sort of conversation so you can in effect say you know if 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 someone's talking around HR policies, like generic as much as that, like you said, key keywords kind of thing, um, then this is the area in the documents that you need to have access to. To to basically, it's going to be based on this data here. So you can kind of then build that out to them, and then it's more then the responses are more personal kind of thing, or more relevant to to what you're asking, because um, it's all based on you know, your organization. Um, other things, so other things might be, um, let's say you, you've got two sets of data. You might have something like, um, I think the example they use actually on the, at, at the keynote is that you, you want to find out how long, uh, how, what's the, um, I don't know, what's the delivery time? um for this supplier and that's that's great so now you've got access to you know so you've got access to you know a supplier thing and it says you know 10 days that's great but um how do how do i know how reliable that is you know what's the percentage of actually they meeting that target you know and how many are delayed well that's in like you know that could be in your orders database things like that so what you can do then is you can give it access to, I believe, you can create a connector into Fabric, um, which was announced as well at Ignite. Um, and that allows you to then see all the orders. And the copilot, or the co-pilot sort of model that you're building then can then go, um, yeah, so their their average, you know, their um, you know, their delivery time is 10 days and they've hit it 86% of the time now. So you've got more context there. And all you're doing within the the Copilot Studio, um, from what I've seen of it, is that you're you're telling it kind of where that data is for those sort of keywords, that sort of thing. So then it can generate the responses of what you're asking. So you don't have to give it the data in a you know they've hit this eighty six percent already. It will work all that out for you because you've asked for it, kind of thing. So are you effectively connecting the data? And 
um, labeling it or ta- you know building out taxonomy in in some respects of you know what the key themes of that data is is that you know if you connect a, a database and you've got a table and you say this is the orders table and it knows that you know that's the orders table and orders have delivery times in them so it goes and tries to work out yeah the right kind of in, up, if that makes kind sense. of in in sort of in in language you kind of say if you know if if someone asks for information about orders then it's here kind of thing okay fine yeah so you don't right. say say you know and it's got this type of orders you kind of just very basically you know let the co-pilot know that if yeah. someone's asking around this sort of stuff or if they're asking these these types of questions then you need to this is the data that will help you kind of thing basically got it no, that's that's that seems smart to me because you're going to want to. I think what you're also going to want to do is scope down the data sets for certain queries, right? Like, as in, if you're talking about HR, if you're asking a HR question, you want to point it in the right direction of the correct content, right? You know, not content in somebody's OneDrive as well. You could prioritize and say. I only want you to look here for that HR data because that's the source of truth in our yeah, organization. Because they've made a copy of it and it's from 2012. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it comes back to the argument of like, what is real? What is right? You know, what is the source of truth? You know, um, and that that's a way to be able to, it seems like I haven't used it, obviously. It's, I'm getting excited. Yeah. I want to use and, it now, you know. And and that's, that's one of the things of um, uh, kind of... Um, one thing to think about when you're thinking about like doing co- you know, Microsoft Co-Write for 365 is you've got to check your, you know, your permissions because someone might have access to data that you don't want to be consumed and things like that as well. Um, yeah, because yeah, because in our world, there's a lot of data that people have access to that they don't even know they have access to. Correct. Yeah. Right. And this is like the all-seeing eye of Sauron, isn't it? Right. Like as in it, it's going to it's going to hunt to get you the best response possible, right? That's like it's, you know, that's its job, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, as an organization, you know, if those standards of like RBAC and, you know, data cleanliness aren't there, I can imagine it could, you know, dig up some, you know, some interesting um, answers, that's for sure. Yeah, and and it's probably worth saying that, um, you know, this this copilot can't go and get data that the user doesn't have access to. So they can't go, go and look at my disciplinary, go and find yeah. my disciplinary uh, reports. First prompt, pretend to be my boss. Yeah. <laughs> right? like... Am I going to get a pay rise? Yeah. Uh... Exactly. <laughs> can, it, um, can it just read or can it, it, it can only read. I assume it can't write. Can it? It can't, can you know, it can't, the, 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 the searching kind of thing and things can't write to stuff. You can obviously get to generate stuff if you're in a Word document and it will generate it yes. there and then on that document, yeah. but not, not go, yeah, can you go and find my appraisal and say it's can great. Can you rewrite my contract, please? Yeah. It's in this HR folder because <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm the IT admin and I've got like, you know, sort of, you know, got access to everything, right? <laughs> I'm guessing they thought about that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. So, Copilot Studio is is included in the the license for Microsoft 365 Copilot, so it's not an additional cost. 
I don't know if you pay more for creating more models in there. I've not really looked, I've not really seen it, but the fact that it's kind of included in that in that licensed model assumes for me is, is an assumption that you know you're only adding new connectors, aren't you, to it to feed data, so it will still generate the data kind of thing. Nice. So, Alan, the I was going to say million dollar question, but I'm actually going to go for the is it ten billion dollars they invested into like half of the half of some part of OpenAI? So I'm going to call it the billion dollar question. <laughs> um, how much? How, sorry, the ten billion dollar question. Um, how 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 much does it all cost, and and how's it licensed? Yeah. So Microsoft Microsoft Security Copilot. We have no idea. Just to put that out there yet. Um, assume it's going to be a per user license there, but yeah, cost we don't know. Um, Microsoft Copilot, the sort of Bing or previous Bing Chat um, part of it, um, that's included in your Microsoft three six five e three five, like I mentioned earlier. So that's quite good to sort of get. You know, if you've got users that are using ChatGPT. And you've got the you know you've got those M three six five E three five licenses. Whilst uh, depending on you know whether you want your users to start using generative AI, which is the other question, but if they are using it, it's probably worth steering them towards you know Microsoft Copilot because at least that your potential private data that they're potentially leaking isn't going to a model, a public model. Um, but the Microsoft Copilot for three six five. Uh, is $30 per user per month. Now, and at the moment, you have to have a minimum of 300 seats. So you have to be in sort of the enterprise. You have to be in the E3 sort of sort of tier. And I think that's because they need to, they're still building the service out. So they need to have some commitment from you, from, you know, customers to help fund, you know, the, the new, AI chips that they're building and things like that to build it into, you know, the data centers. That's what I believe anyway. Um, but yes, $30, $30 a month per user per month, but it seems quite a lot. And if you've got a large organization, it's going to be a, a hefty spend. But I think if you think of it from an individual perspective, $30 might only be a couple of hours, half a day worth of time of a, of a user. And you might save, um, I think they were saying people were saving 11 hours a week or something. Or a, yeah, I mean, Alan, weeks. I don't know what your economics are on $30 for half a day's worth of work, right? You know, that is... Yes. <laughs> but no, I, no, I completely... It, it seems to me like if you have, if it, can, if it can apply to your business process and make you more efficient, at the scale that you need it at, then it seems like a no-brainer. But like you say, when you put it in the context of like a productivity license, because what is $30 a month? That's like E3, right? Yeah, I think E3 might be cheap. <laughs> I think it's cheaper than that, isn't it? Right? Um, you know, that... But arguably, arguably, a lot of the E3 cost isn't really in office is it like there's like security and then plus if you go like e5 
M365 E3 is $36. Right, okay. So, so yeah. Because, because if... What I know about organisations, if there is an ROI that is relatively short, then it will get purchased. Mm. Right? It's as simple as that. If you can prove the use case, you can prove the ROI. It's effectively printing money at that point. Right? So did you say there was a minimum user count? Yeah, at the moment, I think you have to minimum of 300 seats. Yeah. Which is kind of that enterprise. So you know, and, and it kind of sits on that. I think the minimum you have to have M365 E3, which kind of fits in then, doesn't it? With the, yeah, it does. Yeah, well, for that size of organ. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, biz- business only goes up to 300, doesn't it? So, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, for, yeah. For and now, I, anyway. I, yeah, but I suppose the bigger the organization, the bigger the opportunity for different use cases as well, right? Because if you're a small organization, um, you know, you might not have enough use cases and enough roles to really, even if you could buy it, you know, like 10 at a time or 25. Enough data as well to be able to yeah, consume it, to assist maybe you with that's those part queries. Of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, it's everybody's going to have to approach that. You know, I think with an open mind. Um, sorry, I don't know if you mentioned it. Trial? I'm not seeing one for it. I think you've got, it's got to be added. You can't, I don't think you can even go, I've looked, you can't go and get it as a trial. Um, at the moment, because I think it's only gone GA and things like that. I think it's going to take a little while for it to become more yeah. relaxed. But once they've got more users onto it, then they'll probably open it up a bit more. Um the I don't know what the pricing is for the copilot for sales and copilot for services, but I did see you can do a trial of the copilot for sales, which includes all the capability of M three six five, the copilot for Microsoft three six five, with the add on for for sales. So that might be a possible route to seeing what it's like. Um, because I yeah I want to get my hands on it because i've already thought about 12 million things that could help us out in our day-to-day <laughs> yeah because it's you know everybody loves a try before you buy don't they right especially if they're buying 300 seats i mean that <laughs> is you know what's that 300 times 30 is that nine thousand dollars a month yeah nine thousand yeah. dollars a month right so that's that's uh yeah but then again if you're a 300 user organization that might only be, you know, you know, uh, humans in a lot of organizations are the biggest cost, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and even at $9,000 a month, you know, um, you know, how many people's worth of optimization could you really make with it? I suppose that's the, that's the question, isn't it? If it aligns to your use case, then sort of, uh, you know. Yeah, and I guess if you're an even larger organization than 300, you know, you might just spread those 300 to see if you can get productivity in various areas as well to get that build and then understand that, you know, maybe finance are going to benefit more, etc. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wonder how the conversation's going to go internally. You know. Mm. Because 
I don't know, is this is this our shift into moving, you know, large amounts of people away from administrative work? You know, I suppose it's no real different in some respects than any other technological advance, though, is it? You know, no. when the car came along, well, no, it's not a very good example because like <laughs> horses, they didn't really decide that they pulled cars today, I suppose. <laughs> But, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't think of another example on top of my head. But, um, but, but, do you, but you see, you, you see what I'm saying, you know, um, when the, you know, when the internet, you know, when email was invented, you know, the impact that that had on the postal service, it's probably a, yeah. another good analogy, right? Um, you know, is, is it just something because, because of the world we live in, we just sort of swim with the tide, don't we? You know, it's, it changes. <laughs> Change is just part of our, you know, um, part of our day to day, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how companies, you know, safely and respectfully navigate AI, I think. Yeah, and I think I think you're kind of on the same the same thing. It's another example is probably automation, isn't it? You know, bringing automation in means that, you know, potentially, you know, users don't members, you know, members of the, the employees might not need, um, you know, don't have as much work to do so they may yeah. need to be um uh, resized or you know, kind of the way we think about it is actually can go and do some other things that you know everyone else is tied up with you know actually be more efficient in other places don't do those mundane tasks kind of thing for for automation at least so this kind of is a helping is helping kind of do some of that m mundane kind of things but also helping get to the get to the point basically I think with some of it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, anything we've not covered, Alan, that you want to sort of. Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's first, first view of it and kind of dive in. And like we said, we're, we're putting a link to in the show notes to the, the keynote. Um, it's definitely worth sort of checking out as well. Um, but yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head now. And we're, I mean, we've already been talking for like 15 minutes now or something like that. Yeah. So, no. okay, cool. Oh, yeah. Thanks for that, Alan. That was, that was really good. Thank you. Yeah. So what's, what's next, next episode then, Sam? Next episode is our extended season finale. The finale isn't extended, just our season was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> by, um, by, we'll be by seven episodes now, won't it? So exactly yeah no six sorry so um yeah what we've done previously in the past is split up our sort of year into two seasons and have a break um in the summer we didn't do that this year um yeah we did we, we break did. yeah we broke but what we did was we didn't break for very long i don't think this time okay um right and in effect, when we came to like, we say we do like 20 episodes, I think a season, it was like halfway through October or something like that. And we're like, yeah, we don't, <laughs> we need to keep going really. Fine. Okay. Um, so yeah, so we're going to, um, we're going to have a pause over the holiday season. Um, a bit of R&R, &R, a bit of a reboot. Um, so next week will be uh, finale uh, for, for this season, season four. And then in the new year, we'll obviously kick off a season five, um, make some changes, I assume. But we'll we'll talk about that um, in the finale. Uh, what we like to do at the end is just to recap some of the 
um, sort of favorite episodes, favorite things that we've learned over the year, um, chat about the news a little bit, uh, what the plans for the new year is and, and things like that. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I look forward to uh, doing a recap because we've, we've done so many episodes. I think it's crazy. It's like 40. We must have done like 46 this, this year. Crazy. Um, okay. So did you enjoy this episode? If so, please do consider leaving us a review on Apple or Spotify. Um, this really helps us get reach out to more people like you. If you have any specific feedback or suggestions, uh, we have a link in our show notes uh, to get in contact with us. Yeah, and if you've made it this far, thanks ever so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks all.